Father, this morning, I'm so grateful for an opportunity to sing your praise. Father, there is truly um, no one greater than you. Nothing in this world is as great and as wonderful as you. Nothing in all of this world compares to you, Father, because you created this world and everything that we understand and know, even the time that we have that we share and spend and use as a resource in this world, Father. You created even the time itself. And, and so, Father, we know that nothing exists outside of your presence and outside of your glory and your goodness. And this morning, we sing those words, not just because it's the song on the screen, Father, but hopefully because it's truly our heart's declaration of how much we value you, how much we care for you, how much we are concerned um, with your ways and what you have called us to. And so, Father, this morning, I just pray as we settle into a time of looking at your word and we wrestle with these concepts that are sometimes hard to grasp and understand, Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts and transform us. That, again, we would not be content this morning, continuing on just the same old, same old as we always have. That, Father, each and every day we would be falling at your feet and opening our arms and surrender to you allowing you space and time and opportunity to transform our hearts so that we can see and know and understand that we can be one with you. Father, that we can be united with you in your purposes and in your ways. And so, Father, this morning we give this time to you and pray that you speak to our hearts through these words. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray all these things. Amen. So last week, if you weren't here, uh, I want to give you a couple things to a quick recap. We've been studying through uh, prayer. We've been talking about what it means to call on God's name, what it means to reach out to him, the urgency with which we need to pray, the, the, the wrestling with our internal heart and the perspective of what's going on inside, not just praying for external circumstances, but, but going to God in prayer, hoping that he would transform us from the inside. And, and, and as we wrestled through different concepts, one of the things we came across last week and started discussing last week is this need to understand who we are praying to. This need to wrestle with the idea that God is as complicated uh, Trinitarian figure that is kind of hard for us to grasp. That the Trinity is an important concept for us to wrestle with if we really un- want to understand who we're praying to and how we're praying and, and how that Trinity concept plays into our prayers. And so last week we discussed a couple of things and we talked about The main takeaway of last week, if we weren't here, was this idea that God himself, three in one, is by very nature relationship. That he is unity, that he is this relationship within himself. And so we talked about this idea, this working definition that we kind of throw out there. Dan, if you put that quote. Yeah, we use this. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully and equally God in eternal relationship with each other. And so we focused in on that idea of relationship, that this, that whether it be the external relationships we deal with here amongst us, whether it be the relationship with God himself, regardless, God's desire for us as people is to be engaged in this relationship. We looked at John Uh, If you put that next passage up there, Dan, yeah, John chapter 17, if you remember, it says, I in them and you in me. So he's, he's, Jesus is praying over his disciples at the Last Supper, and he's saying, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me even as you, or love them even as you loved me. 
This idea that Jesus would pray that we would be perfectly one and that we would be in him in the same way that he is in the Father. And so this picture, this idea of God calling us to this relationship and unity is very important, especially when we're wrestling with prayer and communicating with him. And so this morning we're going to kind of keep wrestling with that concept and talk a little bit about the Father. Um, But before we get there, I want to ask you this. Some of you have heard me say this before. What we think, uh, this is a reference to a A.W. Tozer quote. A.W. Tozer kind of made this statement. Yeah, there you go. Thumbs up. Um, made this statement that what we think about w- when we think about God, like what pops into our head when we think about God, is one of the most important things about us. So if I ask you to think and picture in your mind God, what are some of the things that pop into your head? Anybody got a couple answers? Immediately, imagery. What stuff pops into your head? Yeah. What's that? Almighty, okay. Just what immediately? Like I said, God the Father. Raise. Ah, I like it. No, it's great. It's perfect. What else? Anybody? Huh? Wise. Love. Love, absolutely. All these things that are good answers. But like if we honestly think for just a second about who God is, do sometimes we think about the guy we've seen in paintings with the big white beard who's reaching out to touch fingers with the Adam that's painted in the picture? Yes? Right? We have these pictures, these mental ideas, because we have no image or idea or concept of what God the Father looks like, right? We've seen a lot of paintings of even Jesus, and those kind of vary in scale as to which version of Jesus we're looking at, what's realistic versus what looks like us, and there's a bunch of things we get into there that are really interesting and fun, and we won't go there at all. But in the midst of all that, we have these images and these pictures in our mind of what God might look like or who God is, and hopefully we do think about love. We think about the awe, the rays, like this awe of God's presence, this thing that is overwhelming, this thing that should cause in us reverence and respect. But we just celebrated Father's Day a couple weeks ago, right? And you remember on that day, I said, for some of us, this is a great day. We celebrate and we're excited about fathers. For others, this is a hard day. And for us, we look at the relationships and ideas in this world, and we think God the Father. It is very hard to separate and pull out our language and our understanding and our knowing of the word Father when it comes to God the Father, right? Because our understanding of what a father is, is oftentimes largely based off our experience with the concept of father here in this world. So some people, when you say God the father, immediately cringe at the idea of God as father, because to them, the word father brings with it a lot of negative baggage, a lot of difficult stuff. Does that make sense? Maybe not for all of us, but for some, that's a a hard word. And we think about those concepts, those ideas, and all of that stuff filters into our head. There's these images we see in paintings that might impact how we think of God the Father. There's ideas of, honestly, there's a lot of mythology from past that plays into people's concept of who God is because people not only think of the guy with the white beard reaching out to touch Adam's finger from a painting, but some of them think of these images that are really kind of of Zeus. Also this figure with a white beard holding some sort of lightning bolt, ready to strike down the first person who puts a toe out of line, right? And if we're honest, many of us grew up with this idea of God where you better be careful, because if you sin, if you fail, if you fall short, 
you are in danger of going straight to hell, not passing go, not collecting $200. Just one-way ticket straight there, right? And so we tiptoed around in fear and concern and worry. Am I still plugged in? Okay, I heard a bump, and I thought I might have knocked it loose. We walk around in this fear and worry of what God might think of us, what God might say, what, how he might be angry or upset or frustrated with us. And we've got to kind of piece together when we say, as Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who are we actually talking to? What are we actually thinking about? Because if Tozer was right, what we think about when we think about God is one of the most important things about us and our relationship and who we are and how we behave and how we live. Because the more we think on that God, the more that directs and impacts how we live, how we follow him, what we do to serve him, right? And so there's a passage in Romans I want to talk about this morning specifically because if we're going to work through the nature of God and understanding who he is, I think it's important to uh, talk through this. So Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at this passage real quick. Now I'd encourage you to go and read all of Romans chapter 8. Don't take this little piece out of context because there's a lot of amazing stuff. And I know Romans can sometimes make your head spin. Um, but that's okay. There's some really great stuff to be pulled from here, and I want to start right here uh, in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, okay? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, there's a couple things we're going to unpack here, so we're just going to leave this up for a few minutes and talk. This first line, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now, we talk about being created in God's image a lot. You've heard me say that, that, that when we talk about how we treat other people, when we understand this passage where Jesus is wrestling with the leaders of the day, and they're asking, should we pay taxes or we should, should we not? And he throws out that coin and uh, says, whose image is on it? And they say Caesar's. And he said, well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And we've talked about the idea that that's a direct reference to Jesus basically saying, give to God what bears God's image, right? And that we were created in the image and likeness of God. That we were created as image and likeness to be his children. Yes? Now, there's a thing that we need to kind of differentiate here when we talk about God the Father in this passage versus that concept and idea of us being image bearers, ones who are created in God's image to be his children. That was ultimately his desire, but we go back to this earthly understanding of a father. If we wrestle with that, have we ever seen or known someone who understood and knew that there was an individual who was their biological father? That was responsible for them coming into the world, but then at the same time, there was not much relationship there. Or there was other people that came along, maybe a stepfather or other individuals who really poured into them, who had that relationship, who acted in many ways more like a father. We've understood this. These things have happened, right? So think about this for a second. There is an understanding of difference between those who have been born of someone, that they are belonging to that individual versus the type of relationship that reflects the heart of a father. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? There's kind of this you're born into versus you have the relationship with. And if we look at this passage right here, for all 
who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who are led by the Spirit. Now, we'll talk more about the Holy Spirit as weeks come and, and, and we dig into more of that. But specifically in this moment, this idea that if we're led by the Spirit, then we are called into something deeper. The language here has more to do with that chosen relationship, that deeper intimacy. Not just the born into, bear the image of, but that intimate relationship where the fatherly persona is poured out. The love, the generosity, the mercy, the grace, the relationship is there. And so the language that's used here really gives us this idea that when we choose to follow God in his ways, when we are seeking his face and we are allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit, which is ultimately our hope, our goal, right? It's not just to follow him, to accept his grace, say, I believe in Jesus, I believe Jesus died for me, and therefore I've been baptized and now I'm going to heaven. And I'm waiting for that day and I'm just going to kick back and sit and wait until that day where he comes back to get me, right? We, we talked about that mentality and how that is a broken way to approach Jesus and his calling in our life, because ultimately Jesus says, I am going to prepare a place for you, but I'm leaving you with a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will help you fulfill my mission to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that passage we read last week. If his desire is for us to continue working through the work of the Spirit in our lives, then those who are led by the Spirit, who have surrendered to that relationship, sought His face, and desired to be led by Him, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We talked about that image and that mindset of God being one of fear and concern. Paul, who's the writer of this letter to the Romans, talks a great deal about slavery and slavery to the law. The Old Testament law was something that God specifically gave his people so they could understand their own sins. They could understand their own shortcomings. They could see the ways that they didn't live up to the standard. It was basically given as a measuring stick for them to see. And then Jesus comes not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, to help them now say, hey, okay, you have this framework that you've worked off of for a long time. You have heard it said, do not murder, but I am telling you, Here's the heart behind it. And so Jesus' teaching gives depth and substance and heart to the law. Not just say don't do or do do. Like don't do things or do do things. I should clarify that. That's one of those sound bites that somebody's going to pull out and make fun of me with. Yeah, I did. You're right, I did. But anyway, in the midst of that, it's not just something that we should do or should not do. It is the idea that Jesus helps us understand why God would want us to do these things, why he would want us not to hold anger and bitterness and frustration in our hearts because we're called to live in that relationship that he himself is made up of, right? That he himself is completely 100% all about. And so he's not calling us to a spirit of slavery where we're simply a slave to the law, or slave to the fear of messing up or making mistakes, but he's calling us to be children of God. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. That Abba, Father is a very, like, think daddy. Think little guy running up to daddy when he comes home. It doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while I get lucky enough that the screens aren't on or something. And he's paying attention enough to go, Daddy's home! And he runs up and wraps his arms around you. There's this familiarity, this love, this excitement that 
comes with seeing daddy. And Paul uses this endearing term, talking about this being the spirit of adoption that we have been called into by who we cry, Abba, Father. I've heard people say, daddy is too familiar of a term. That kind of teaching is a little, I don't know, we need to have fear and reverence for God. But I agree. There's a reverence. My little guy, hopefully, has those moments where he runs up to me and says, Daddy, and is so excited to see me. There are other moments when he needs corrected, <laughs> where he doesn't have enough fear yet. We're working on that part. But, um, but there needs to be a sense of reverence and understanding that there are consequences to our actions, that there are things that a father will do to correct us, not because he's angry or mad or vengeful and just wants us to suffer, I ask, him, I ask all of my kids a lot whenever we're having those consequence-type moments and conversations, am I doing this because I want to hurt you? Am I doing this because I like being mean to you? Am I doing this because I'm a mean person? No, I'm doing this because I love you and I need you to understand what's better for you, right? That's the heart of a father. And so we have these moments where we fully understand, not moments, we have excuse me, this relationship where we cry, Abba, Father, because we realize if we look at God's word, we have been called to follow him. We have been called to surrender our lives to him. And when we live in that place of surrender by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, we have received this spirit of adoption that through Jesus, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, this Trinity fully at work, we can work for the Father and receive the gifts of the Father and be in perfect, wonderful relationship as adopted children to the Father, as heirs of a kingdom. That's an incredible... I, I don't, I, I'm going to put this a different way. In fact, Dan, if we can go up to that Galatians passage, passage. Paul writes this similar kind of concept in another passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Similar kind of concept, right? To another group of people, Paul's writing similar kind of heart. This mindset of saying, listen, at the right time, God knew that sending his son could accomplish this work in your life so that you wouldn't just be slaves to the law. You wouldn't just be trudging through this world trying not to mess up. You wouldn't just be wandering through still breaking the law and falling short and sinning and feeling a miserable mess who could never live up to the calling. He didn't want us to feel this sense of burden, Jesus himself says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It should not be hard for you to follow the law. It should not be hard and tiresome and weary for you to try to follow me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. Because the Father's heart for you is that you would cry out to him, Abba, Father, and know his love for you. In fact, if we remember, let's look at John chapter, or John chapter 1 here. But to all who were, did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It's not something we chose on our own strength. It's not something we can earn on our own strength. It's through the Son. It's through all these amazing things that God has done. 
but he's given us this opportunity because he loves us. If we read on further in John, John 3.16, because he so loved the world, he gave his son. It's not his desire that any should perish, but that all would come to know him. Do you see the, the story of the prodigal son who runs away and there's this beautiful image of a father waiting for his son who has completely turned his back on him, who's completely run off with his inheritance and squandered it, who is standing waiting to run arms wide open to the son to receive him. This is the image of the father who has given you access through the son, which we'll talk about more later, to be adopted as his children. Not just in the sense of like, yes, you bear my image. Yes, we have this distant relationship. No. Remember, Dan, can you throw back up there that uh, John 17 one that, that we used there at the beginning in the intro there? Sorry, I should have had it back at the end. But his prayer for us, Jesus' very prayer, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. God the Father loves us even as he has loved Christ, his one and only son who he sent to die for us. Do you realize the weight of those words? Does that sound like the God who is standing there with the lightning bolt ready to cast us out the moment we make a mistake? Does that sound like the God who wants us to throw us aside the moment we don't do things the right way? Does that sound like a God? It sounds like a father who desires the best for you, who wants to open his arms up and adopt you into his family and spend all of eternity with you in relationship because he loves you as much as he loves the Son. And if we understand this idea of Trinity, we understand that that's an inseparable relationship. That's an unbreakable relationship, perfectly united. Again, it's a mystery that makes our head spin, and I get that. But we are being loved by the Father in the same way that the Father and the Son have perfect love and unity. And He's loved us so much to offer us this opportunity to cry out to Him, Abba, Father. And so when we pray, Our Father, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or blessed or glorious or worthy is Your name. You realize we're calling on God the Father, who loves us so completely, he would give up so much for us. And when we are calling in that moment out in prayer, we can realize that that's the kind of love the Father has for us. Yes, we should bow in reverence with the understanding, hallowed be thy name, that you are great and powerful and strong, but you still want me to run up to you with arms wide open saying, Daddy, here I am. I want to spend time with you. I want to fall at your feet and laugh and talk and share in this moment. I want to be with you in relationship just as you had relationship with the Son. He did all of this to bring us into that relationship because he is a loving Father. And that's amazing. We no longer have to live in fear and worry of all the things we've done. We can run up to him with the understanding of his loving grace as a father, saying that's forgiven, that was paid for. We took care of that. We dealt with that. Now you just have to rest in me and know me. And know this to be true. I love you and sought you with everything I had, not so that you had to live in fear with the spirit of fear, but that so you could live with the spirit of adoption, saying, Abba, Father. Isn't that beautiful? I'll give you a little. I hope so. 
If not, read it like a bunch more times and think about it because those of us who are led by the Spirit are called into this relationship to be His children. And so we're going to have a time of response this morning and we're going to we're going to have a song on just kind of like we would normally during invitation. It's a, a song of invitation and we're, you can sing along if you want because it's a, a fantastic song that talks about this idea that we've been set free from the slavery of this, this law, this fear, this, this kind of feeling broken and not good enough and we've been made children of God and this, this imagery is there and so you can just celebrate in that. If, if you just are overwhelmed with a sense of how good God is, just celebrate in that. If you need to sit back down and just pray and say, God, I've not seen you in this way and I need to seek you in this way, I want to encourage you to spend whatever time you need praying and wrestling with that this morning. But during this time of invitation, I know normally we'd say, come on up and pray. If you, if you need prayer this morning, I, I know uh, we'll, we'll have a little bit of time. We want to pray for Phyllis this week. She got a surgery on Wednesday and we're going to pray for that and that's a big deal. We've got a lot of folks watching at home who are in the hospital or sick or haven't been able to be with us that we care for and love, and we're going to pray for them in a moment. But during this time, I just want us to respond and cry out to our God and say, God, what do you need me to understand so that I can better be one of your children and live contently in that place of understanding I am adopted and I am loved and that you call me your own? Because this morning, if we want to enter into a healthy prayer life where we are calling on the Father, we need to grasp and understand the love of the Father that we call out to. So if you want to, you can stand with me. Just bow your heads. If you want to sit there, you do whatever you want. We're going to go into this time of song, and you respond however you feel you need.